Hi there brothers and sisters, John Marcus here again. Um, I'm drinking a nice cup of tea here, cheers. Today I would like to um, teach you on the topic of redeeming the land and uh, remitting sins. And this is something that um, many of us in the body of Christ uh, don't fully understand and not uh, doing and applying to our lives. And this is very important that we apply these, um, these, uh, this truth, this revelation um, into our lives, at our homes, on the land, wherever we go. So, um, Father, as we study this, Lord, open our ears to understand and hear what you're saying. Open our hearts and our minds, our, our inner being to understand and to, to really grasp this revelation and to make it part of our lives. In Jesus' name. So I'm talking on uh, redeeming the land and uh, remitting sins. So to lay a foundation, let's look at something in uh, the Old Testament. In uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26 to 29, and it says, See, I am setting before you today blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I am commanding you today. And the curse, if you do not listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I am commanding you today, by following other gods which you have not known. It shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land where you are entering to possess it, that you shall place the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal. So why did he tell the children of Israel to put the blessing upon the one mountain and a curse upon another mountain? You see, he was saying, I'm setting a choice between blessing and cursing before you. And I want uh, to remind you every day uh, so that you can make a choice. So when the sun rises in the morning, and uh, you see both of those peaks, those mountain peaks, you will be reminded to choose one or the other. See, the Lord's mercies are new uh, every morning. We see that in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. So every new day, we have to make the choice between walking in blessings or curses. We cannot choose both. I mean, so here is Mount... Um, uh, the one mountain on the on the one side, Mount uh, Gerizim, the mountain of uh, blessing, and then there's the other mountain, Mount Ebal, a mount a mountain of curses. You can't climb both of those mountains at the same time, and so you know God doesn't want us to be uh, double-hearted. He doesn't want us to be to um, to serve Him on the one side and then uh, to live in the world on the other side. He wants us to be separate unto Himself. So, um, please take note that, uh, you know, these mountains are, are pieces of land on the earth. Um, and so we see that on land, on the soil, uh, there's either blessing on the land or there's curses on the land. And so we're going to come back to this, uh, this point as we move forward in this teaching. So let's understand the basics of remitting of sins. In John chapter 20, verse 23, it says, If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. That's the New American Standard Bible. But let's read it in the King James Version as well. It says, Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. So there's a remitting of sins or there's a retaining of sins. So what does it mean to remit sins? Um, what is the purpose of remitting sins? Um, what does it mean to redeem the land? To claim, you see, redeeming the, the land comes down to claiming the land back and bringing it under 
God's government and God's authority and God's blessing and God's glory. So to really possess the land uh, is not just uh, to coexist with evil, but that the land will be wholly given over to God under His government and under His authority and His blessings and glory. So we see in the life of King Saul in the Old Testament, he never fully redeemed the land back to the Lord. So he fought against his enemies, right? We see that in 1 Samuel 14, 47. And he vexed them, but he never fully overcame them. So he made them hewers, hewers of wood and drawers of water, uh, which shows he never completely destroyed his enemies, but allowed them to continue to live on the land. Um, but you see, there's a principle or there's a revelation that God wants to, us to grasp, and that is that the land itself needs to come completely under the, the, the blessing and authority of God. And, uh, you know, we as human beings have authority on this earth, and so it's our responsibility to get the land back under the blessings of God. So what does it mean? Uh, what does this word remit mean? So let's just meditate and think and study uh, the meaning of this word remit or to forgive. Um, here are some synonyms for the word remit. So when you remit, you relax, absolve, release, pardon, discontinue, acquit, surrender, leave off, moderate, mitigate, alleviate, desist, as in cease and desist. So there's a lot of power behind remitting of sins. A few more synonyms are uh, to means uh, uh, for remit means to soften. So have you have you ever met a hard, callous uh, person that cusses and curses? You know you can begin by remitting his sins to uh, soften the, those calluses of his heart. Some other synonyms are relent. Excuse, overlook, exempt, forward, dispatch, transmit, convey, transfer, consign, and deliver. So those are uh, the, the, the words that explain the meaning of the word remit. Now let's look on the other side. Uh, so if you don't remit sins, what are you doing? You are doing the opposite, the antonyms of the word remit, which is um, um, you, you, uh, you're walking in unforgiveness, right? And so the, the word means hold, withhold, keep, retain, reserve, tie up, persist, continue, exact, control, command, sway, dominate, avenge, take revenge. Get the upper hand, impose a duty on, bind, enjoin, render, obligatory, make responsible, repress, suppress, restrain, restrict, prohibit. So, um, as we look at the synonyms and antonyms of the word remit, we can clearly see the, 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 the clear distinguishing features of these two mountains. The, the, this, the mountain of blessings or the mountains of cursing. Um, so when we think about people around us that we meet from day to day, in our family, at work, in the community, wherever we are, um, have you been remitting these people's sins or have you been retaining their sins? Uh, so have you been releasing others? Uh, or have you been sending others forward? Have you been dispatching and transmitting and conveying and transferring and consigning and delivering them? So if you haven't been doing this, then you have been retaining their sins. So you have been making others responsible, placing them under obligation, repressing, restricting, restraining, prohibiting them. You have not been remitting their sins. You have been retaining them. See, the Greek word for remit means to cry out or forgive. 
to lay aside or forsake. So it comes down to the root word off, uh, as in get off of me, uh, shake it loose. So this word denotes separation and departure from. So now getting back to redeeming the land, when we talk about redeeming the land, we are talking about reclaiming the land back for God. We know that land all over the earth needs separation and departure from sin and, and the curse. So lots of things that need to be removed from the land uh, due to sins that took place on the land. So in Leviticus chapter 18 verse 25 it says, And the land is defiled, therefore I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. So we can see that due to sin that is committed on the land, the land itself becomes defiled. The land itself becomes cursed. So there's a lot of work, work for us to do, brothers and sisters. So let's talk, talk a little bit about walking and remitting sins. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 28, it says, For this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So, when we remit sin, it goes hand in hand with the blood of Jesus. Because it's the blood of Jesus that has the power to remit sins. And to cover sins, to, to wash away sins. Um, in James chapter 3, 17 and 18 it says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and uh, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So, when we are walking the land and we are going out and remitting sins, it's so important that we are walking in peace and purity of heart. So to be effective in uh, redeeming the land and remitting sins, we need to walk in purity. And we need to walk in peace within and a purity of heart. Um, so as we do this, um, when we go out on the streets, on the land, and we start remitting sins and we start redeeming the land and and claiming the land back for God. If we have any unconfessed sin in our heart. Sin that we've been walking in. And that we're aware of. And it's unconfessed. We need to um, confess that sin. And uh, allow the blood of Jesus Christ to wash away that sin. Cover that sin. So that when we go out. We, we're going out in, in, in a, in a, in, with purity of heart. And we're going out with peace and joy. To do the work of God. Matthew 5 verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So it's important to, when we're working for Him, and we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and, we, and we're intimate before Him in this work, um, that we, um, we're walking with a pure heart before Him. So you might ask the question, um, uh, where, is, uh, where are the words remitting of sins in the Scriptures? And uh, do we as brothers and sisters today have the power and authority to remit sins? Some might say, well, isn't it only Jesus or God himself, you know, that has the authority to remit sins? Well, let's look at that. So Mark chapter 1 verse 4 says, John did baptize in the wilderness and preached baptism and of repentance for the remission of sins. There it is, repentance for the remission of sins. So that was the ministry of John the Baptist. So John the Baptist's ministry shows us the close relationship between repentance and remission of sins. So Paul, when he preached his gospel, you know, it seemed so foolish to some, but the simplicity of the gospel had the power to save souls so that they could come to repentance and the remission of their sins. In Luke 1, 73-79, it says, The oath which he sware to our father Abraham that he would grant unto us that we, 
being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life and thou child shall be called the prophet of the highest for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercies of our God whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace so we know that Jesus the Messiah had the power to remit sins and we know in his ministry he would spend time with something he would say I've, your, your sins are forgiven he would just command it he would speak it up your sins are forgiven so he was remitting sins uh, yet now he has returned uh, to the right hand of the Father and we today are his hands and his feet and his sons and daughters on the earth today uh, he is the firstborn of many brethren so we carry on the ministry of Christ because Christ is within the hope of glory and so we are the sons and daughters we are um, brothers with Christ and so we continue the, the ministry of Christ on the earth and so you and I can also remit sins so we have been commissioned to carry out his ministry on the earth as the manifest sons and daughters of God today so we can also remit sins just as Christ did in his ministry on the earth John fourteen twelve says Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Romans three, twenty-three to 26 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. Let's focus on those words. For the remission of sins that are past and so brothers and sisters we have a ministry of remitting sins and as we begin to understand this revelation we'll we, we're going to understand the power and authority and how tremendously effective it is to remit sins and we've noticed that it says the remission of sins that are past so the remitting of sins is not only the sins that are, we've done today or sins that we did last week, but sins that go right back to the beginning of time, generations before. In Romans chapter 4, verse 1 to 8, it says, uh, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory but not before God for what saith the scripture Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt but to him that worketh not but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly his faith is counted for righteousness even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. So focus on those words. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. See, that's a description of remitting sins so when you remit sins those iniquities are forgiven and those sins are covered those sins are cleansed away washed away um, in the blood of Jesus 
So now let's look at sin and uh, remitting of sin and uh, what we need to do. So there's the cry of innocent blood and of the sins that are, have taken place in the past in, in uh, generations before, in, in uh, many, many years in the past, and sometimes uh, a thousand years in the past, in a you know, long time in the past, uh, there's innocent blood that is crying out from the land. So when we redeem the land by walking the land and being sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, at times we will enter a place and hear the cries of innocent blood coming from the land. The Father might show you visions of what took place on the land in times gone by. Visions of abominable acts that were committed on that, um, on that land. You may well hear the cries of innocent blood. So what I'm saying here is, when the Holy Spirit leads you by His Spirit, and uh, in peace to, to, to go to certain places because we're walking intimately with God when we're standing at certain locations on the land the Holy Spirit will reveal to us sin that was committed on that land in certain cases we might even hear the cries of innocent blood that was committed we can actually, it's like an audible voice that we can actually hear the screams and cries where innocent blood was poured out there. And so what we need to do is get active in uh, remitting the sins and redeeming the land. So there was one brother who uh, uh, was exercising redeeming the land and uh, remitting sins. And he was walking along the Wye River in Great Britain. And as he came to the base of a cliff, he heard the cries of young teenage girls, girls who were aged 13 or 14 years old. They were about this, that age, young teenagers. And this brother heard the crying of innocent blood. Um, he, um, he thought, you know, that he could actually thought someone is in this area, you know, where's that crying come from? But it was actually in the spirit world that he was hearing it. And it was coming from things that happened back in the past. So this brother was hearing the crying of innocent blood. He, and then he saw a vision. He saw a vision of Roman legions encamped in the area and soldiers going through the villages, grabbing young girls and killing some of them and taking others captive. Then bringing them to this very spot where he, where he was standing there by the cliff on the side. And then he saw in the vision how these Roman soldiers would rape them and murder them and throw their bodies down the river below. So in the vision he saw lifeless bodies floating down the river. And then the Lord spoke to him after he saw that vision and said, this happened back in the third century and the innocent blood is still crying from the ground. So this brother started to pray and ask the Lord, Father, what can I do about this? Why have you shown this to me? What can I do about it? And then the Lord replied to him, You remit those sins. You remit those sins. So the, the brother went on to talk to the Lord and he said, I don't have the power or the authority to remit sins uh, that were committed back in the third century. And the Lord was just patient with him and begin, continued to talk to him to give him understanding. And... Um, so that, that this brother could understand the revelation of remitting of sins and redeeming the land and breaking the curses of the land. So the Lord said to him, open, open the Bible to Romans chapter 3, verse 23 to 26, which we read. And there he, he read it there and it says, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. And so... This brother began a ministry of remitting sins that were committed on the land from past times and cleansing the land and breaking the curses of the land and restoring the blessing of God onto the land.
the goodness of God onto the land, the glory of God onto the land, to get the land back under the authority of God. And then the Lord went on to explain to this brother that he needed to redeem this land back to God by breaking down the strongholds that were on the land. That from that time, many sins have been committed on this land. land. So from the time of that particular sin where the Roman soldiers took place, the Lord showed him that, that because the curse has been on the land, that there's a stronghold, a demonic dark stronghold that is now in that area. And so further sins have been committed on the land through, through many years that followed that time. Things like uh, molestation, seductions, orgies. Um, so the reason this has continued through years on the land uh, is because the God of this world, the devil, has a legal right to that land and that place and he's built a stronghold there because that sin has not been remitted. That land has not been cleansed. So the Lord showed this brother how to remit sins and commit the land, uh, um, how to remit the sins uh, that were committed on the land and then cleanse the land and uh, break the curses of the land, break the strongholds of the land. Uh, but not uh, stop there, but now that you um, remit the sins, you break the curses of the land, and you, br and you destroy the strongholds on the land, uh, go, go further than that. And that is, now bless the land, and ask the goodness of God to be restored to the land. The glory of God, the goodness of God to come on the land and in that place. So that God, the land itself and the, and the area comes back under the authority of God, the government of God. So resulting in the entire creation of life on the land to be restored, blessing, new life will begin to spring forth on the land. Uh, you see, uh, when he was standing there at that time, uh, there was a curse on the land so the, the plant life, the trees were not... Uh, uh, growing out, it was a barren place, and because it was cursed. Um, but after he did this, um, from that time, the 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 land could be blessed, and so uh, new trees and plants and flowers and animals can return to that place, and because it's uh, it's blessed land, it, it becomes redeemed land. New plant life uh, can begin to to grow out in that place. So what this brother did was to walk over the ground, praying and remitting the sins of those Roman soldiers, as well as the sins of the descendants and the generations that came afterwards. So he didn't only remit the sins of those Roman soldiers, that atrocity was, that was committed then, but then the Holy Spirit showed him all these other sins that were committed since that time. So he remitted all those sins as well that the Holy Spirit showed him uh, right up until the present day. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, releasing the goodness of God so we don't stop by remitting sins breaking the, the, the curses of the land and uh, tearing down strongholds in that area we don't stop there um, but we need to Pray the blessing of God to come upon the land, the goodness of the Lord over the land, and over all of those who are currently living there. So, you know, people live in that region. So, speak the goodness of God over the people that live in that area. Speak the goodness and blessing of God over the land, and so it can com be completely restored. Romans chapter 4, uh, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says, Oh, despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So what we are doing is we're asking God to restore his creation. So ask him to bring back his breath of life and to move his hand 
over that desolate area where the ground is hard packed and nothing is growing anymore. Ask Him to cleanse that ground and let flowers and grass and trees begin to come forth and be nourished. Ask Him to let the squirrels and the rabbits and the birds come back to that area. Ask Him to let life come back to the land once more. So it is the responsibility of the manifest sons and daughters of God to take authority. To take dominion and reclaim the land that has been defiled by sin. When Stephen in the book of Acts in the New Testament was uttering his last words. He said, Lord, lay not these sins to their charge. When Christ was on the cross, before he took his last breath. He spoke out these words, Father forgive them for they know not what they do. Both Stephen and Christ were remitting sins. In Isaiah 1 verse 18 it says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You see, Isaiah understood this revelation of remitting of sins. That when you remit sins, it washes away the sins. And you get that picture of the sin is like red, like crimson, but it becomes as white as wool. And so that's the picture. That's what remitting sins does. It, it covers, it washes away, it removes completely the sin. Let's talk a little bit about blood guiltiness. In Genesis chapter 4 verse 8 to 10 it says, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel your, thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Leviticus chapter 18 verse 25 says, And the land is defiled, therefore I do visit iniquities thereof upon it. And the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. So, why did Israel lose their land? Very important question. So it was because she joined herself to all the gods of the heathen around her. Moloch, Ashtaroth and so forth. She caused her children to pass through the fire of sacrifice to these idols. So when the children start suffering and be sacrificed you can know that God's judgment is on the way. It's interesting, Cain and Abel's story, he says, Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? So we know that he slew him, and because he slew him, the blood of his brother was crying out. And so, on the land, because innocent blood has been poured out, the blood is crying out to God. Because that, those sins need to be remitted. That land needs to be cleansed. That land needs to be purified and redeemed. So you and I actually do need to be our brother's keeper. So in the sense that when we go and we see sin that has been committed, we remit that sin. And why, we, why do we do that? Is because we want to break the chains of bondage over people's lives so that they can be in a better position to receive the goodness of God that will lead them to repentance. So you might see an unsafe person that has sinned and you might become aware of some of that sin. So remit their sins and uh, break the curse over their life when you pray and then ask God to release His goodness and grace and blessings to them. When you do that, 
what you're actually doing them, you're putting them in a position to receive the goodness of God that will lead them to repentance, that will lead them to salvation. So some that have got involved in prayer walking to redeem the land have gone to places, um, you know, where, for example, there are abortion clinics and hospitals uh, that do abortions. And uh, when going to these, these places, you can actually hear the cries of innocent babies crying out, innocent blood that was poured out in, at those very, very locations. And it, it brings a curse on the land. And a stronghold is uh, established in that area, in that region. So where there's an abortion clinic, for example, you often find the enemy is coming and he says, I have a right to this place. I have a right to this area because of the sin that is on the land, because of the innocent blood that has been poured out in this land. And so often we can see other sinful um, businesses and uh, activities that are taking place in that p particular area. For example, gambling casinos or houses of prostitution or homosexual nightclubs or, or, or things like this. You see, the God of this world has a right to that land because the sin has not been remitted and the land has not been cleansed. The land is defiled. So what do we do when the land is defiled? In Ecclesiastes 9.18 it says, One sinner destroyeth much good. In Isaiah 59.3 it says, For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue hath muttered perversiveness. Perverseness. In Ezekiel's, in Ezekiel chapter 7, verses 7 to 9 and verse 12, it says, The morning is come unto thee, and thou that dwelleth in the land. The time is come, and the day of trouble is near, and not the sounding again of the mountains. Now will I shortly pour out my fury upon thee, and accomplish mine anger upon thee, and I will judge thee according to thy ways, and will recompense thee for all thy abominations. And my eye shall, be, shall not spare, neither will I have pity. I will recompense thee according to thy ways and thine abominations that are in the midst of thee. And ye shall know that I am the Lord that smiteth. The time is come, the day draweth near. Let not the buyer rejoice, nor the seller mourn, for the wrath is upon all the multitude thereof. In such places you will find desolate ground, where abominations and desolation have been committed. So, where tremendous sin has been committed, abominations had, have been committed, you will often find that the place is desolate. The place, that land is barren, that land is cursed. In Leviticus 25-23 it says, The land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine. For ye are strangers and sojourners with me. You see, God's heart is to redeem the land. God's heart is to restore the land. Deuteronomy 11-12 says, A land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it, from the beginning of the year, even until the end of the year. The most devastating way to destroy the earth is to defile it with innocent blood. Yet God wants to destroy the land. And so, where wars have taken place, violence has taken place, people have been killed, Lives have been lost. The land has become defiled. The land has become cursed. And, but God's heart is that we, as the, the true sons and daughters of God, arise and redeem the land back to the Lord. Psalm 85, 9 says, Surely His salvation is nigh them that fear Him, that glory may dwell 
in our land. Whoa, that's powerful. That glory may dwell in our land. You see, that is the ultimate. God wants to so restore the land that the manifest glory, the rich presence of God, constantly dwells on that land. It's not just there for a while, but is permanently there on that land. You see, that is the ultimate that God wants for the earth, is that His glory will cover the land completely and stay there permanently. That's, that's where we're heading for, folks. So, the Father's heart, what is the Father's heart regarding redeeming the land and remitting of sins? The Father desires His children to be restored to Him in relationship and intimacy. He wants fellowship and communion with Himself restored. That is His goal. So, we know that the Father's heart is for humanity to be restored to Him in intimate relationship. That's what He's after. He's a family man. God is a Father and He desires intimacy with His children, with His people. So, it's all about the souls of the people on the earth coming to God, being saved, and coming into intimacy with their God. Restored to relationship with the Father. So, if we are just doing spiritual warfare and cleansing the land, and just for the sake of removing strong strongholds, we've missed the mark. Because we have to understand that the reason we are doing this, the reason we are redeeming the land, the reason we are remitting sins, is um, the reason we are breaking strongholds, is for the sake of the people that live on the land. Because God is always after the people. God's always after the, the salvation of the people, that the people be restored to Him. That's what it's all about. The reason why we do these activities of redeeming the land and remitting sins is for the sake of the people that they that, that the goodness of God can bring them to repentance and that they can be restored to relationship with the Father. So we want to tear down the strongholds so that they can never again take captive the souls in that region. That's why we pull down the strongholds, we destroy the strongholds so that the strongholds will not again be able to bring the people in that region into captivity. But the people can be free and come to the goodness of God and find salvation. So remitting sins and redeeming the land lifts off the burden of, of condemnation of the people so that they can breathe again. It makes it easier for them to come to the Lord and come to salvation. I want to repeat this because this is very important. Listen to this, brothers and sisters. Remitting of sins and redeeming the land lifts off the burden of condemnation of people so that they can breathe again. It makes it easier for them to come to the Lord and come to salvation. So when you go to places where there is sin committed on the land, when you see people and you realize the sin in their lives, and you remit that sin, and you remit the sin on the land, what you're doing is you're helping people to breathe again, to remove condemnation from their lives, so that the, the, the chains have kind of been taken off, so that it's easier for them now to come to God, and come to the goodness of God, and find salvation. So after we remit the sins and redeem the land, we must release the blessings and goodness of God to the land and the people so that the goodness of God leads the people to repentance. Now, I'd just like to share a few testimonies about um, someone who has applied what I'm talking about so that we can really see the um, how effective this is and the power of God that is behind it all. Um, this one brother uh, came to Japan where I live and he went to a site on the side of a mountain, a cliff, 
where um, many babies had been killed and thrown off the side of the cliff. And if I can remember correctly, um, at that time in Japan there was a lot of poverty and, and, and um, hunger and starvation and they literally didn't have um, food uh, to give the, the, the children. And so very, very small ones and babies were killed and thrown down the side of the mountain because they didn't have any food for them. But that was innocent blood and so many of them were killed in this way in that location. And this brother came there and he heard the cries of the innocent blood crying out to God. And so he remitted the sins and that were committed long, long ago in Japan. And he uh, broke the curses and broke the strongholds in that area and then released the, the blessings of God to be uh, restored back to that place and that land and uh, to release the goodness of God over the land. He came back to that uh, very place uh, two years later and he was surprised to see a lot of new trees and plants and growth that had grown out at that very place where there was nothing before. It was barren and, uh, and hard and, and almost desert-like um, beforehand. But now he came two, back, two years later and uh, new plant life had sprung out everywhere. And so that's just a, a sign that uh, blessing and goodness of God has been restored to that land. Another example is this brother was in, the, in the Britain and he was um, led to climb certain mountains by the Spirit. Um, the peace of God leading him to certain locations. And he came to a, a cliff on the side of a mountain where the Holy Spirit showed him that uh, Satanists come here and they have, a, they, they have an altar here. And then he walked to another place and he found this wide open area in the middle of a forest. And it couldn't be seen from the outside because it was surrounded by forest trees. The only, play, uh, only way you could see it would be from an airplane above. And it was um, so hidden there in the forest but it was a flat area and uh, it was a place where the Satanists would gather and they would have rituals and, and so on and they would do their satanic um, activities and the Holy Spirit led him there and it's amazing how he was able to go there because um, they have um, uh, guards who, who protect the location and um, and uh, to try to prevent people from coming there, you know, people that were not part of their group. And But anyway, he asked the Lord to help him to be able to go there. And um, they didn't see him. Maybe the, the Holy Spirit may have been visible so he could pass the, the, the guards who, who uh, were trying to, to protect people from coming there. But he, anyway, he was, he was able to get there. And then when he got there, he realized where he was, that it was, it was a satanic altar and where they gathered. So he remitted the sins and he broke the curses and he broke the strongholds and he prayed and declared certain prayers to break the, the satanic power, the demonic power um, that was on that land and on those altars and in that place. And uh, he break, broke the curses and broke the power, of the demonic power of those altars. But then he went a step further and he said, Father, I declare that if they come back here, that they will no longer be um, able to connect with demonic power. But when they come here, they will come face to face with, with the living God, creator of heaven and earth, who sent his son, Jesus Christ, for our sins. And so he did a complete work of redeeming the land and breaking the strongholds over that place. And um, let me just have a sip of my tea. He went to several mountains in the United Kingdom and he did exactly the same thing on those other mountains. There was, they'd ha they had uh, satanic altars on several mountains. One day... He somehow was in a meeting and um, this uh, brother um, 
uh, wanted to meet a, a satanic high priest and uh, so he met this guy and he spoke to him and uh, for some reason they got onto the topic of um, what he was doing on the mountains and redeeming the land on the mountains and so on and the satanic high priest um, didn't believe um, that he was effective in anything that he was doing in his prayers and, and walking the land and, and remitting sins and so on but he told him that he'd been to um, several places on different mountains where he'd um, remitted sins um, uh, where there were satanic altars. This brother, this uh, I mean this satanic um, warlock high priest didn't believe him so he said um, sh get, let's get a map and I want you to show me on a map wh exactly where you went. They got a map out showing several mountains in the region uh, in Great Britain and uh, he pointed each place he had went and the exact locations on the maps where he went and this uh, satanic high priest got really really um, shocked and he said um, wow he said those are the exact satanic altars that there is no longer any power behind them and um, he said that they'd been talking and saying we've been losing our altars at on top of several of the mountains and um, that was caused by this one single brother just this one brother who had gone to several of these mountains to break the curses but now you 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 might um, ask the question why was he doing this was it necessary um, I'll tell you why it was necessary because he was doing something that would benefit the whole nation so here the enemy through the Satan worshippers, these satanic uh, people were um, building their altars on the mountains all over the country. And so this brother broke those strongholds because he knew who he is in Christ and uh, he had authority and he was walking in a place of purity and holiness before God so he could do this. And um, he was doing it so that the people living in those regions the people living in that nation would these chains would be broken off them these strongholds will no longer be active so putting the people of Great Britain into a place where they could breathe again and uh, come to um, that the goodness of God could lead them to repentance and so that God could work more in the nation and so that souls could be saved, lives could be changed. And so why this brother was doing it was not simply to remove strongholds and uh, to remit sins, but he was doing it for the sake of the people living in those regions. Remember, it's all about the souls. It's all about the people that live in these places. It's about them. And it's about them being transformed and changed and coming into relationship with God. That's that that's the motivation, that's the attitude, that's why this work needs to be done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll tell you one more testimony. I have a good friend who lives in North Dakota in the United States. And uh, he owns a large farm and uh, it's been used for farming crops, different crops. In the past it was used for cattle but in um, for many many years now it's been used for the planting of different crops and um, this brother uh, understood this revelation that I've taught you today on redeeming the land and remitting of sins and so what they did is they walked the land and uh, he took communion uh, on the outskirts of his land in all directions north south east and west and he would dig little holes there and uh, take communion and then pray the prayers of remitting the sins on the land and breaking the curses of the land and um, asking God to bring his blessings and goodness back on the land and uh, removing every stronghold of the devil from the land and removing the access of demons and demonic forces having access to the land removing them completely that they had no right on the land and so what they did is they put some of the bread 
uh, wafer into the ground and also some of the grape juice into the ground and then they sealed it with oil which is, represents the Holy Spirit and then covered it. Um, he was also led to take a, a large stick and to knock it into the ground as a prophetic uh, kind of action saying that this land now is dedicated back to God. Um, and so obviously they declared and pr pronounced certain things. And um, this brother testifies that um, since he's done that, he says, my land belongs to God. My land, I live on redeemed land. He often says to me, I live on redeemed land. My, my land is redeemed. It belongs to the Lord. And he says that um, from time to time there have been storms and bad weather that have come over the region in North Dakota. And his land has always been protected where there's, there hasn't been damage uh, on the land. And uh, even recently he said uh, a few weeks ago there was a very bad storm where people lost their crops. A lot of damage to buildings and property took place. His house was, was um, protected. He also says that um, his crops, uh, he often has um, bumper crops where other farmers, ha their crops aren't as large, but he often has um, harvests that are a lot more than other farmers have in the same region. So this is the blessing of God that is on the land, the goodness of God that is that has been returned to the land. And so that influences the, in, in the natural where uh, good crops are grown and good harvests can come in. Because the blessing of God is upon the land. Um, we can apply this to many places where we go into houses where there are altars to false gods. Um, uh, things like, um, I'll give you an example, in Japan where I live, people have um, ancestral worship altars called Butsudans. And they also have uh, Shinto um, uh, altars in uh, their houses to pray to um, the spirits uh, of Japan, the eight million spirits uh, of Japan. And so uh, the land has become defiled, the houses have become defiled because of these things. And so we can be led when you go to certain houses to remit the sins that were committed on, uh, on that land and in these properties. Um, and um, <clears throat> to, to um, break the curses, to break the strongholds over those altars, and then <coughs> excuse me, to release the goodness of God and the presence of God, and to say things like, declare things like this, Father, when people come here to pray to their ancestors, or come to this place to pray to the sun goddess and, and the, the spirits of Japan, Father, I pray that they will come into direct encounter with the living God from this day forth. Because you've done the work of, of breaking the strongholds over those altars. And so it now brings the people who live in that house or in that region into a place where they are, the chains are broken. They can breathe and it's easier for them to come to the goodness of God and to come to repentance and come to salvation. Um, many have come to Japan and, and I'm sure other places on the earth where there are temples and shrines and, and, and places of worship that are to false gods and heathenism and paganism. And going to those places, remitting the sins of, um, of sins that were committed on those, at those temples and shrines. And breaking the curses and um, breaking the strongholds and saying, Father, I pray that when people come to these temples and shrines, that they will come in direct encounter with the living God. Um, we mustn't underestimate the power of this ministry. Um, I'll end just with, with this thought. In the millennium, this earth is going to be restored and uh, God is going to use the bride of Christ to restore the earth to His original intention and make something beautiful of the earth again and he's going to use the bride of Christ to um, build new cities build new places all over the earth 
and restore creation itself to God's original intention. And so we're going to be given tasks and res responsibilities to, to restore this whole earth to what God wants us to be, to be a lush, beautiful, beautiful, exquisite place. Um, can you not see in your spirit, brothers and sisters, this beautiful nature, this, this beautiful plant life, tree life, nature that is going to come forth when the land itself is fully redeemed to God? You know what? It'll come to a place where the glory of God will permanently be on the land and upon the face of the earth. Permanently. Not depart. Not like, we, you know, we sometimes have revivals and renewals in different churches and different places. And it just goes on for a little while and then stops. Brothers and sisters, you know what? God is taking us to a place where the glory of God, the manifest presence of God, is permanently in that place and on that land. And as we walk, as we live, we're living under a cloud of His glory and presence permanently and the blessing of God is upon the land. And we're living in an environment of plant life and nature life and animals and plants and flowers and insects that is exquisite. Oh, brothers and sisters, isn't it going to be beautiful to live in homes and have neighborhoods uh, that are so beautiful, houses, buildings and beautiful nature all mixed together and the glory of God covers these places. Isn't that something that we can um, look forward to? Love you, everyone, and uh, God bless you. Bye-bye now.